What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the DOW Freedom Fighters podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Lee from DOW Freedom Fighters podcast. I'm here with Noah and Wes. Um, we've got an amazing guest with us today. Um, born and raised in Afghanistan, an interpreter who served coalition forces for years in nonstop combat, and he made his way to America which is an awesome, awesome story, and uh, we're going to jump in. Everybody, I'd like to introduce you to Rock. How's it going, man? Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate it for inviting inviting me for this podcast. Yeah, man. It's it, Like I said earlier, when we talk to you, it's an absolute honor to uh, get you on here and uh, let you tell your story because I think it's a story that's going to reach a lot of people, not only um, – the American dream, if you will, um, and America being a melting pot, but the fact that you served and defended and helped all coalition forces in Afghanistan is a testament to your character. So we're excited to talk to you. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited as well. I'm so excited to talk about um, my, my story and rest of the other people that uh, like me, they help American down there in Afghanistan as a translator. Hey, Rock, it's Wes. Hey, um, we, we wanted to start off, too, just in your words, you know, we want the listeners to, to understand what it's like growing up in a third world country. You know, most of our listeners are from America here, and, you know, our upbringing is a lot different than what you would be used to, you know, in Afghanistan. But you, how old are you right now, Rock? Thanks, man. <laughs> you know how old I am. I used to work with you, but I'm uh, 32, uh, um, 31. Uh, uh, I born in 1990, January 1990. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, like you, you asked me about how was the Afghanistan, the situation, how, how it is like to raise and born and raise over there. It's, it's a different place uh, it's a beautiful place uh, Afghanistan is as a untouched country it's a nature full of nature mountain uh, we have based fruit I, I never taste those fruits nowhere in, in, in other places that I, I've been in my life and uh, the food is really good um, we have a pure uh, culture which uh, which is uh, really really classic type and really um, like different than uh, Western society. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, kind of tell us too. Describe to us. I've talked to you about this before. I know you've told me. You know, when you you grew up in northern Afghanistan in in a city uh, named Mazari Sharif. Um, yes. Describe and just kind of talk about going to school there and I know you've talked to me before about starting off and learning just normal curriculum and then there was a time period where your curriculum changed like the things you were learning in school do you recall yes, that conversation yes. and, and what happened yes uh, I remember the day that uh, we used to be in the school and I think that was back in Taliban regime so when the Taliban came, they start changing the name of all those schools to Madrasa, which is, they call it 
it means religious school. So they immediately canceled the scientific subject and they start brought different wrong interpretation of the the religion. Uh, and they brought those books, try to basically now I know that they wanted they want the kids to be brainwashed. But thank God, my family, especially my father, he was he's a he's a educated person. So as soon as he got the books and and started reading those books from us, so what he did, he grabbed the books and threw all the way down to the corner of the room <laughs> and told us, "You don't need to go anymore to school." And that was one of my best day in my life <laughs> like, for a kid. Yeah. If your dad telling you don't go to school. Yeah. Well, it's but a... my dad was a brave person. That's why he right. did not let us to go and be a brainwashed person. That's definitely a similarity in Western culture. I don't think we like going to school either. Anytime we can get out of it, we definitely yes. try to do that. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, but especially the schools that try to try to brainwash you and make it ready for a worst case of your life scenario, is that the you don't want to go to that type of a school. So, um, yeah, this is this is the culture and this is uh, the way people live in Afghanistan. Uh, from the beginning of my life, when I when I when I born, like when I come to this world, I saw war. I, I always war between between powerful countries like Russia, like China, like American. Pakistan, but all in Afghanistan. <laughs> so yeah. So I I grew up on those those war. I raised on those war. I saw a lot of stuff. I I saw my cousins died in front in front of me. They killed my brother in front of us in front of my family. On that time, I was in uh, Kandahar uh, working as inter interpreter with the air forces. So like. Like, uh, it's a different country. I mean, uh, by different, it means you're going to be so protective about your life. You need to always be careful that it's, it's Afghanistan. And how yeah. you live, you need to be so, like, conscious. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're going to die easy. <laughs> I, I used to say... Um... I never realized that there was a country that could be so beautiful and so dangerous at the same time. Yes. You know, like you said, Afghanistan is just a very natural, pure country, but there's so many dangers there that you're out of nowhere, you know? Um, yes. And so going back after your dad decided that you're no longer going to school, what, what did you end up doing instead of school? <laughs> Uh, so, um, so that was the Taliban regime, and um, uh, um, after after a long time, my father released basically. Um, so he was hiding in in my aunt home, and then the Taliban announced that okay, those people that hide and they they were part of the previous government, and now we don't want them to just they can walk free basically. So my dad, we were like we were we were kids, and we used to work and selling the the small food. They call it bulani. My mom made it in, in home. We sell it as we were like maybe twelve, 
11, 12, me and my, my brother sell it to the bazaar or market to make some money and brought it home. Then my father released from the from that situation. He started um, build a small um, a small uh, pharmacy shop. And um, the way that I learned English is I started from there because all those medicine name comes with the English uh, and <laughs> we have to learn it and know what is the name of this uh, medicine. And yeah. That motivated us to learn English. Basically, my father, the first time my father started started me to like, hey, this is A, B, C, and, and the same like Farsi or Dari, but you need to mix it and you can find the name of a medicine, like like Parastamol or like, uh, like um, any type of name of the medicine. Yeah. So as you're learning you know, you're learning English and, you know, you're you've been pulled out of school. And, you know, one thing we wanted to ask you was, you know, on 9-11, you know, what we call um, on September 11, 2001. And I mean, I, and you can ask, you know, Wes or me or a lot of us who serve, like we know exactly, you know, where we were when that happened. But it's not just, you know, significant for us, but for for you guys who lives lived in Afghanistan, that was significant because now Americans are coming over into Afghanistan. So, do, do you like remember that day? Um, I remember that day like I remember yesterday. Yes, of course. That was. Uh, uh, I always talk about my father because he's so intelligent and uh, uh, smart and educated person. So we we used to live up north. We have border uh, with uh, my city have a border with Uzbekistan. So during the Taliban regime, there was no way to watch TV and there's no TV and satellites to 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 basically stream some. There wasn't no media. So but there was only one channel uh, from Uzbekistan because we are close to border. We can catch by our antenna to watch Uzbekistan TV. So we had a I, small, uh, we hide it in this corner during the night. My father and everybody like turn it on and watch TV. So we saw a news that the, 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 this, the, the, like that was live that the two towers are burning. And you know what my father said on that day? Before the uh, President Bush announced, my father says, now this is the time for America to come to the United, uh, to, to Afghanistan. Wow. Yes. Yeah. My father predicted that. It and he knew it, what's going on over there. And he still know what's going on and what is the situation for the future? And it's so dangerous right now for my family that still lives down there. My mom, my dad, my two brother. We already lost one brother. They kill it in front of my family. Wow. Rock, what was... Yes, sir. What was, the? I guess, there in your city or around Afghanistan, after everything happened, you know, we heard kind of like what the feeling was in your house. For the people you know, within your tribe or the people from your area, what was the feeling 
after the World Trade Center uh, came down. What was things being uh, discussed? So, so basically, uh, the United States first time they entered to Afghanistan, they entered through to Mazar Sharif, uh, and there's a documentary called Twelve um, Strong. Uh, there's a movie, I think. Yeah, there and is. That's based on that team that first time they entered the special force, you know. So I saw those teams. We were like really like maybe 13, 12, 13 years old, uh, maybe 14. I don't remember. But the first time they come to my city and they come straight around my neighborhood. And um, so everybody was afraid first, like the kids and everybody like, oh, American, they're coming. And they're not a good people or they try to come and kill you somehow we heard that you know we were like afraid we were, especially when you're kids oh american you should be afraid they're gonna kill you if you were like doing wrong so instead of that we got a big surprise from american what was that surprise that we got i remember that we got sneakers that chocolate <laughs> from them it's like Look, they're not bad people. <laughs> they're good people. And I still remember that day we got the sneaker. We got like, start joking. I don't know, at the, on that time, the, in my English, no English. I mean, I mean, those people start talking with me. And I, I, my perspective changed against the American. Like, okay, these are normal people. Yeah. Because I hit. I got hit by the Taliban during the Taliban regime, oh, but wow. not from the American when they got here. I got chocolate from them. You know why <laughs> the, the Taliban hate the, like beat me for one reason? Because I were when when we were kids and somehow my my mom found out some clothes, some Western clothes, and I wear the jeans and the shirt. We walked in the in the plane in the, in the neighborhood, and the Taliban were over there. And he called me, and he slapped in my face and told me go home and change this clothes. Man, so this is this is the difference between Taliban regime and between uh, democracy. Yeah, that's that's you know you get. To, to, that's what's great to hear your story because we're, we're so many people is going to be able to hear another perspective, you know, and that because obviously whenever, you know, you're a kid, you know, that's your home. And then there's a bunch of people coming into your country like you're, of course. And then, you know, with the way media is and things like that, like you're going, it's your natural reaction is going to be scared. And I'm. I'm glad you got some sneakers and some chocolates. It's the way to start it off on the right foot, you know? <laughs> yes. That is the reason that I started uh, working with American because I knew it. American people come here to help us, to, 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 to show us how to live the way it should be. They brought us the human rights. They start uh, building the schools. They start building the, the roads, the American... Uh, train our armies and this is the the government that i we have right now and the the the, the not the government basically the freedom that 
now we have right now in Afghanistan is everything is because of American people. American people help us a lot and we always appreciate from American people. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. This comes from my heart, believe me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you said you're whenever they the Americans came, you were 13 or 14. And well, for one thing I do want to ask is how many languages do you speak? Um, me personally, um, I speak uh, five languages. That's uh, awesome. Two foreign language and rest of them are the tribe language, Pashto, uh, Dari, which is Farsi, uh, and Uzbeki, uh, um, and uh, uh, English and uh, Hindi. Uh, which is too uh, foreign language for me. Uh, I learned Hindi watching Indian movies <laughs> and English. When I start working with American, I learned from them among the American people and in uh, school as well, basically the basic conversation, but mostly from American. That's awesome. I mean, that's a testament to your intelligence too, you know? Um, so Thank you. yes, sir. So, how old were you whenever you decided that you wanted to be an interpreter or work with, you know, coalition forces over there um, to, you know, go down to where, you know, you're not, you know, to southern Afghanistan and Kandahar and stuff like that? Yes, I was. Uh, so the time I graduated from high school. So when the Taliban gone from my city and they established um, the, the schools back and the scientific subjects and everything become normal. So especially up north was the best uh, place to visit on Afghanistan because we were secure, no Taliban, but mostly the Taliban were in South. I'm talking about 2008, 2009. So I graduated uh, back in 2008 and as soon as i graduated my father asked me like you you must go to college and in the state of college i choose like i told my dad like sir please let me live my life <laughs> and he, was, he, un he understood that like he's like okay he was cool he's like he told me like i don't want to lose you that's it he's like no don't worry i'm gonna be fine and um I, instead of choosing to go uh, continue my education, I choose to be linguist. And the only reason is to that these people come from far away, from other side of the planet to here, to help to establish the best government for us, the best to establish a good relationship between Western and Eastern people. And why I should not go and shake their hands and tell them, like, welcome to my country and work with them. And that was a proud time for me to go and do that. And I feel like, like, as soon as I, I got a chance, I, back in 2009, so I started working as an interpreter um, since end of 2015 man well rock you know to dive further into your time as an interpreter i know i guess i just recently learned that you also worked with the air force i know you worked with 
the Uzbeks and the Marines and the Army. So yes, we'll start off. Did you first your first assignment was that with the Marines in Sangin? Yes, my first assignment was with Marine in Sangin. Um, after after I think one and a half years working with the Marines, uh, then I start coming back and working with the and NATO forces in Oregon, and after that, I I I, I work for you. And uh, as soon as you guys done, I start work with the air forces to train the pilots and the mechanics. And wow, well, yes, I know that in your first assignment with the Marines, you know, you were in the most dangerous part of Afghanistan, and you became a bit of a celebrity, maybe for all the wrong reasons, because there was a documentary that was done on the Marines in Sangin, and, and Ben Anderson from from Vice was a part of that. But tell us from your side of the story, you being in that documentary, what happened after that? You know, your face being on the documentary. So um, uh, that documentary is a small... Um a small part of my life while I was in in Sangin district and uh, uh, so um, the the reporter Ben Anderson which is right now one of my good friends as well so on that time he asked me like like hey don't worry I'm gonna cover your face I asked him like why are you gonna cover my face He's like because I don't want to risk your life because you live over here I told him I'm not afraid of Taliban. I fight for for a good reason. I'm not covered. Yeah. Don't 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 cover my face. Just release it like that. He told me, "Are you sure?" He's like, "I said I'm gonna give you a paper to sign." He's like, "No problem. I can sign for you any type yeah. of paper." I signed the paper and he released my face, and that is a good thing because I'm I. My, I was wrong. I was right. But those people that cover their face by their big turban, those people are wrong. Yeah. Those are covered. I'm not covered. I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm not wrong. I'm right, man. Yeah. Well, so what I did, still, I'm proud of myself. Well, if you don't mind, Rock, explain why why interpreters sometimes cover their face. So, um, uh, so I'm not. I'm not gonna blame them why they're gonna everybody have their own perspective and everybody needs to at least protect themselves that's important you have to protect yourself some people like um, those uh, people used to work with you um, I forgot their names Sabaun. Uh, yes so those people Basically, they live among the Taliban. They're all around. They're probably their neighbors, their their um, tribes, or they're like around people that were like basically Taliban. And he was more afraid than me. But I, I used to live in a part of the Afghanistan that were secure, and those people that I. I have contact with them who are mostly like educated people and I knew it they're like there wasn't any problem there gonna be no problem but the, another thing is 
uh, I never thought that this situation, like, it's going to be getting worse than ever. So that's the different part, but but still I'm, I'm proud of myself that I did not cover my my face and I showed him and I showed to those people that we are fighting, is still fighting. Um, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you being on that documentary, I know you've talked about it before, you know, with your face being out there, was that one of the things that you thought maybe that's how you became noticed by the Taliban as far as being involved with ISAF and, and NATO forces? Uh, I'm, I, I'm sorry. Can, can you repeat your... <laughs> sure, uh, sure. Yes. So when you were in Afghanistan in Sangin in, in the documentary, do you feel like you being like on the documentary with your face showing, was that one of the things that kind of clued in to the Taliban that you were assisting NATO forces in ISAF? Um, um, I, the, my, my, I thought like it's not going to be, I thought like Taliban going to finish soon. I thought like they're going to die soon and they, this country become peaceful. Yeah. I never thought they're going to come and take over. Believe me. I never thought this situation that right now is kind of like this. But yeah, I, I, I noticed that someday they're going to see me. But if they're going to see me, I want them to hate me. I, and I want them to know that there is still people for the rights, for the, the, the uh, for the freedom, yeah. for the democracy. There's yeah. people for for the real education. There's yeah. people for um, development. Yeah. And there's people fight for their rights, and they should know that. That's why I did not cover my face, and I'm proud of that, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that was your stand against, you know, terrorism. You know, part yeah. of that is, is changing your behavior, you know, to fit someone else's, uh, you know, uh, their aggression toward you. You know, living in fear, like I can't show my face. So for you, you showed your face out of your stand for your freedom, not just for yourself, but for your country. Yes, sir. And one thing I want to point out, especially with, you know, people that live here in America, you know, that was born here in America, that's always lived here, they, I, I really want them to grasp the concept of the, the courage that it took to have, you know, it'd be like for us to have a group in this country that's taking over and that if you don't believe they the way they do, they will kill you and they will kill your family and for you to stand up for what's right and stand against that, you know, tyranny of letting, you know, like Wes said, these terrorists destroy your home is the, one of the most courageous acts as a human being you can do. And I, I really want the people listening to this to understand that because it's, it's unbelievable, like your story so far, everything that you've done is for, I mean, you're doing it for yourself and but you're, everything you're doing is to help preserve your home for future generations, and that that's that's amazing. Yes, sir. Uh, like I said, uh, the new generation is uh, something that we don't want to go back to the history. We want to make history. That's the new face of Afghanistan. Like me, like somebody uh, down there fighting against them. 
and everybody you in these days uh, you can you can follow the media and the news we have the sound of the rays of uh, Afghanistan people against the Taliban and those people try to destroy the humanity they're not humans they're basically looks like humans I call them zombies they're basically zombies and those brainwashed people try to fight try to destroy us try to destroy the humanity but they're gonna be they're gonna die and they're gonna die die like a dog I promise you sir <laughs> well I, I I like your tenacity rock I, I do think it's important too you know I can't share what you did with the Marines but if the listeners do want to see some of the work you did, you can you can get on YouTube and look up Battle for Bomb Alley, and that it's an yes. account of of Rock and his work as an interpreter with the Marines. I can speak on my work with Rock um, and, and some of the things that he did, you know, as far as being my interpreter. You know, he was not just my interpreter, but he was also one of my counterparts' interpreters that helped train Afghan Army soldiers to take over as the the fighting force in Afghanistan against the Taliban. And so part of that was, you know, Rock had to translate um, training, uh, not just scripts, but also he had to translate for the person teaching the class um, for those Afghan soldiers. Um, and then Rock also, you know, with me, he served as not just my my uh, interpreter, but also my cultural advisor. And, you know, I've told you this before, Rock, I always felt like anything I talked to you about was never off limits. I think you understood that I did not understand Afghan culture like you did. And I think you and I worked really well so. together because I taught you a little bit about Western <coughs> culture and you taught me a lot about Afghan culture. And, uh, you know, I can recall some of the evenings that you and I would spend in the room and we would talk about all kinds of things you shared with me about religion i talked about my religion and you talked to me about you know certain tribes and their beliefs and so you know i really appreciate you not just being my interpreter that translated things but you taught me about you you taught me about culture and you know you taught me about the good things about <coughs> afghan culture that a lot of people don't understand um you know, I met very many good Afghan people. Rock's just one of them, but just, Thank you, sir. just you know, your heart for helping people and and just who you are as a person is something that I admire. Um, Thank you. And then also, when I needed you to be tough and I needed you to be uh, hard on some of the people that we would talk to, you, you had no problem doing that. I, I don't want to go into too many details or use explicits, but... There's plenty of times where I've seen you get into people if you needed to, to find out answers, you know, and you were only doing that to keep us safe. Uh, yes. Um, uh, let me tell you about uh, how I got a lot, like, you know, being an interpreter is it's not something, an easy job, especially like when you start working with the American people and you're from a local uh, place and uh, so you get face a lot of question and for me uh, that was uh, that was kind of like 
I don't want it to answer a wrong question or something that um, I don't know it, you know? Yeah. I, I did my research. Even I learned from uh, from American a lot about my own culture because before I don't know it. So I face a lot of questions. And uh, as soon as there was a question, so I, I did my research and I, I just don't want it to answer anything uh anything wrong you know sir yeah absolutely absolutely well i I can't say that i ever knew that you struggled with anything about afghan culture because you were always spot on answering questions and you did it in a way that you didn't judge me for being ignorant you know you did it in a way of understanding my ignorance and and you explained it in a way that helped me do my job to a tremendous amount um, I wanted to share one of the most memorable things that I remember about you and how you helped me. And I'll actually, I want to just kind of give an outline of it, and hopefully you remember that day. But I want you to be able to share with the listeners kind of what you remember about it. So the day I'm talking about is the day that we were on our way to Hadrian, and there was a vehicle in the middle of the road, and we needed to move it out of the way. And so we took our wrecker truck, and we moved it out of the way. Well, in the process of doing that, one of our soldiers fell off the top of the truck off the side of the mountain. And yes. do you recall this day, Rock? Yeah, I remember that day. Okay. And and as a result of that, we ended up having to call a medevac into a creek bed. And I want, I want to turn it over to you and kind of hear from you what you remember from that point. Um, I remember the day uh, that was Johnson. What was the name of it? It was Walker. Walker, yes, Walker. So he somehow got injured and fell off the Humvee or or mountain. So he got really injured. So we called the Matavec, and my me as a part of member of a team, that was my responsibility, and I was close to that person to immediately react and start uh, help him out and like to save his life and and that's part of my job even i was translator and i believe that was part of my job because um i think if i got injured he could come and help me out so absolutely it's no big deal that yeah. we were like brother yeah brothers shoulder by shoulder fighting against those um, zombies. I'm yeah. sorry. I call them zombies. If you don't mind, sir. That's okay. You could call them whatever you want. But <laughs> yes, I, yes. I, I remember that day. How for some reason there was nobody around. But as soon as that happened, it seemed like people were coming out of the village that we were near, and you were telling them to get away, like back up. And then you would yeah. run over there, and I, you were helping me uh, to assess Walker. And I remember you talking to him and telling him everything's going to be okay. You know, you're okay. And you were comforting him. And then, if I remember, you even helped us load him onto the helicopter. So, you yes. know, you did more than what's asked of you as an interpreter. You know, all we asked of you is, hey, make sure you're communicating with these people to make sure they stay back. We were about to land a helicopter here. But you did way more than that. And you've always done way more than that, what we asked you to do. So... You know, I wanted to share that with the listeners. That's just one small story of many that you did that went above and beyond of what we asked you to do. 
And, you know, I wanted to – I don't think I've ever talked to you about this. I wanted to personally thank you for that day because, you know, it was a very stressful day for me. You know, anytime I see one of my guys hurt, you know, it's it's stressful on me. But you made it a lot easier on me that day just in everything that you did. So I wanted to tell you I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, man. That was part of my uh, personal um, uh responsibility not just being a translator uh, i was responsible for everything if something got hurt and i was the only person because you came from far away to afghanistan and i don't want nobody get hurt and go back home safe yeah because because you know the common thing about afghanistan people we really love our guests so yeah. we protect our guests more than than our lives yeah and my life is nothing than your life, your life is so valuable because you come to my home. Mm-hmm. And if somebody hurts you in my home, I'm going to die and I'm going to kill that person. Yeah. So this is part of our culture. And there is yeah. also another movie about the snipers or something like that. Yeah. Uh, a movie. Lone Survivor? The Lone Survivor, yes. Yeah. About yes. Marcus Luttrell. Yes. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a movie that basically showed the, the, uh, a pure culture of uh, Afghanistan, which yeah, is, I'm really proud that I'm from that type of culture. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's why I always, even my father uh, told me, you have to, you have to help them, you have to protect them because yeah. they come from far away. And that's your responsibility because this is your country. And so that Americans are our guests. So I, I know so it. I know, Rocky. That, and that's how I feel. I felt kind of like all the time. Yeah. Not just you with Marines, with uh, Air Forces, with the armies, with the NATO forces as well. Rock, I know in Pashtun, they call that Pashtun Wali. Is that is yeah. that the same across Afghanistan, what that's referenced uh, as? N- no matter what, where you go in Afghanistan, the good thing about Afghanistan, even if you go to one of the village in a, in a person's house, uh, even they don't have nothing, they're going to start making something out of nothing for you to eat as a, as a perspective, mm-hmm. um, uh, being um, like a hospital for their guests. Yeah. Even a, a cold water. Absolutely. Uh, but if you go... Most of the Afghan houses, they provide you delicious food. Man. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely had those experiences. So, and I think that's yes. a, a testament to your guys's compassion too, and your compassion for um, your brothers. You know, you served with, you know, and it's, you know, we have that, and we talk. Wes and I talk all the time about, you know, the brotherhood. Um, when you serve is like nothing else. Whenever you're in a position that's life or death and you become very, very close with those around you. And, you know, and that is to include you like you, these were your brothers too. And then for you to go out and, you know, like Wes said, you know, go above and beyond, you know, what is expected of you, but you're just doing what you expect of yourself. And, you know, again, that, that's that compassion um, just, as human nature is i think what this world needs a little more of absolutely absolutely 
Rock, I, I wanted to take this into the direction now. So you okay. did around six years of work working with NATO yes. forces as an interpreter, a linguist, uh, a cultural advisor. And so part of that process is once you're done with that, you know, serving a certain amount of time, you qualify for what's called a special immigration visa. And yes. if you don't mind sharing with us, what is the special immigration visa and why was that important to you after your service to NATO and uh, coalition forces? Uh, so, um, the, the, the U.S. government established a program called SIV, Special Immigration Visa. So, uh, what I did is, like, especially you, um, you direct me and help me to apply for the visa. I never thought I'm going to be here on that time, but... I ended up here in the United States, and that was because you helped me out, and you showed me the way how to apply, basically. And I applied for that, and uh, uh, I needed some recommendation letters, which uh, you provided me, and some of the Marines provided me. So I applied. Um, uh, it took, like, one year. I got my visa, and... Um, I just wanted to come and see United States. That that was what, basically one of my dreams as well, to come and see these places as well. The pure culture, the food, and uh, the people, and also the most important thing, the beauty, beauty of this country. Yeah. I love the beauty of this country. And now I live here. Uh, this is my second country. I love this country. Um, as much I I love Afghanistan, so um, I'm part of. It's been almost six years. I'm living here, and I'm part of this community, and I'm proud to be part of this community for always. I have two daughters. They born and raised here, and they're an American. So basically, I'm an American right now. Yeah, absolutely. We're, absolutely, we're honored to have you here, and. You know, you Thank made you, you made that process sound so easy. You made that, sir. You made that, sir. This is basically. <laughs> well, uh, I'm always grateful and thankful from you. If yeah. You, if you did not uh, write that recommendation letters and fill it out those application for me and yeah, I uh, have like you you made that you you. Basically, you got me a visa to come over here, and I was—I always appreciate you, sir. Well, I—I I remember the day that you skyped me, Rock. Um, yes. It was a scary day for me because you skyped me, and as soon as you got on there, I could see the look on your face, and you were worried. And you told me, "You're like, sir, I'm in Pakistan right now," and the Taliban's came to my village, and they're threatening to kill me and my family and you told me that you had went to Afghanistan and when you got to the border you told them that you were going there for medical purposes and you were staying I think in a hotel and you yes. said I, I you told me you said I need your help and you know I I always thought of you just like any one of my soldiers and you know when someone like that that I consider a brother asked for help you know I, I'm obligated to help you and, and you know I I shouldn't use the word obligation. I was honored to help you, and 
um, with recommendations. I think we also talked to an attorney in New York, Laura. Uh, Laura. Laura, yeah. And she also helped. And Ben Anderson also played a major role uh, in helping you get over here. And um, uh, ben Anderson documentary not just helped me out, but helped thousands of uh, interpreters. After that documentary, the process got so fast. Yeah. So, and we made that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to also give you an opportunity, Rock, to speak about, you know, the special immigration visa. It's not easy to get here, and there's only so many that they give out every year to people that are interpreters that serve coalition forces. And it's something that you are very passionate about helping some of the other interpreters and people that worked with NATO forces. I want you to describe or, or let the listeners know something that you're working on right now and, and share some of the stories about some of the other people that are still in Afghanistan that are in danger that helped coalition forces. Uh, yes. Uh, before everything, I'm going to give you a, a, a picture, a, a recent picture of Afghanistan. Um, uh, so um, about Afghanistan, the situation right now is worse than ever, like worse than Afghanistan did not experience this situation before in his history. So. Um, 85% of the territory controlled by the insurgents, by the Taliban. And uh, since the the United States pulled out from Afghanistan, and basically they're pulling out right now from Afghanistan, and the process of pulling out from Afghanistan, um, and the Taliban is taking over, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a the worst case scenario you going on right now in Afghanistan. They're killing and torturing people in the street. They're attacking the Ministry of Defense house and they're entering to their house. They, they uh, throw bomb to the presidential uh, office while they're praying the, uh, the, the Eid uh, party days uh, during the Eid, uh, like, uh, you know, each year we have one day, like three days of celebration. Yeah. So uh, the president and the the, the 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 cabinet and all those official Afghanistan official people were in the in the in the garden of the presidential, and the, there was suddenly the fighting start, and rockets hits everywhere, and. That means the situation, Af the, Afghanistan is not safe. You're not even safe to the pres presidential office, which is so secure. How are you going to be safe at your own home? Especially you work for American. Oh, my God. And these days, those people, they, uh, they're like somewhere in their basement and nobody knows where they are somehow they manage to eat a little bit and to drink a little bit to survive. And their process got denied by the SIV because of their um, wrong uh, policies that during the time they established and changed the process. So there's thousands of, uh, thousands of Afghan people that help Americans like Farid, which you know 
one of those guys is still in Afghanistan wait, waiting for his visa almost six, seven years. So, so that's why I help those people that uh, they're getting their visas, they're in process and they're coming to here. Um, I help them out and uh, immediately I, I, I get contact with the, uh, those uh, um, organizations that provide uh, accommodation, food and stuff as soon as they get here. But um, me and the rest of the other people that have been in Afghanistan, um, I think we have a little bit of responsibility against them that they help us over there and we want them to help them and bring them over here. We should get contact to each of those people that are still reminder if they need anything, we could help them. Maybe they need a recommendation later. Maybe they, they need uh, to get contact with their uh, embassy. So somehow we should help those people and bring those soldiers that left behind. I think they are soldiers. Oh, absolutely. 100% agree with you. Um anybody that's that that serves like you know it it'll take you know one of us what 15 years in service maybe tw a 20 year career to get as many years in straight combat that you guys do and you know absolutely you guys should they should need to speed this process up they need to get you guys over here and i know a big thing that wes and i talk about a lot is getting you guys benefits when you get over here as far as health care and, and getting some of these same benefits that we get as veterans because you guys are veterans as well you guys are serving in combat you guys are going out on missions you guys are in extremely dangerous situations mm -hmm. and you deserve the same amount of benefits i think as those of us who go you know sign up to serve and and deploy and and even those who don't sign up or sign up and don't get to deploy but you guys are are really doing your part and i think that um i truly believe that you guys deserve to have those benefits absolutely because because rock you you weren't told that you had to be an interpreter you you volunteered to do that to help uh, just yes. like when someone signs up for the military you know you with knew no, well with no combat training and assigned with the most strongest a military United States Marine in front line. Can you imagine? Hoorah. Simplify. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lee is so, eating that up right now. <laughs> like, like, like you don't know about combat. You don't know nothing, but they assign you to go with no training to go in combat with Marines. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was that was tough, and that was one of my best experience I ever had in my life. And and one thing that being translator translation is like translator. This job was one of the best job I ever had in my life. So uh, it's it's that was really danger job, but most fun job. The fun part you made a lot of friends. Absolutely. I think it's it's important to note, too, not only are you out there as a translator, but you don't have a weapon to defend yourself. You, you're relying yeah. on the Marines and the, and, the, and the Army and the guys that you serve with to help protect you as well. Yes, sir. Because I think 
I don't have to. I don't have rights to take gun even against my own enemy, because my job was to translate. I agree, but I, I've know as firsthand that I've almost had to pull you off of people before, especially in a situation where we uh, we came across the Talib flag at an Afghan checkpoint and you wanted to get out of the vehicle and get that flag and confront the guy. Do you remember that? Uh, you were trying to climb out of the gunner's hatch, and I had to grab you by the legs and tell you not to worry about it. Uh, I think I, I remember a little bit. I think I wanted to make down that white flag. Yeah. And you you. You you just told me not to do that. It might be there's an ID or explosive devices. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Because, you know, I, I think it's important to note that I don't think there was anybody in my patrol that, I guess to say, hated Taliban more than Rock, you know. Um, and so, yeah, you, like I said, you, you, were, you were ferocious when I needed you to be. Um, yes. Um, uh, let me uh, let me tell you about this. Why we Afghan people, not just me. There's thousands, millions of Afghan Afghans that hate Taliban. Yeah. And there's a reason why they ha hate Taliban, because Taliban do not have soul. They're yeah. just a, a walking body. Like they're dead. They're just walking. And they don't know what what they are doing. They destroying the education. They burning the school. They destroying the clinic. They destroying the uh, infra infrastructure, and they killing the people. They killing the innocent people. They raping the children. They 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 forcing people uh, to take their monies. They're they're not doing something. Uh, that humans do. They're not humans. That's why we hate Taliban. They're zombies and we should fight against them. But uh, if they're not going to fight, like, like if, the, if the Taliban going to not finish, it's going to be become bigger and take more places. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's something I really worry about. Yeah, that's, uh, it's understandable. Um, we we also wanted to to give the listeners an understanding of you coming to America. You know you, so you eventually you got granted a special immigration visa, and you flew to America. So why don't you share in your words what that day was like when you landed in America and where what happened next after that? Uh, can you imagine if you bring somebody from like? like being a time traveler like i travel in time i i come from 500 years back in time i come to to present time that was like the first time i got here in the united states i i felt kind of like that when i saw like especially i live in houston houston texas a great place to live I saw these uh, freeways and these buildings and these cars. It's like, I'm not going to drive. I cannot drive over here. How I should drive over here? It's so complicated. Yeah. I need to 
Yeah. I need to start race from uh, beginning of my life till now that I could drive. Other, other than that, it's hard. Oh my god, that was amazing. I mean, the, there was amazing things that like amazed me, uh, especially um, everything. Uh, uh, I was so excited when I got come over here. And I I just wanted always to go and see places. Yeah. So I, I remember still I'm still I'm excited. Yeah. You know, sir? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna say I remember that day and you called me and you were like, Well I'm I'm here <laughs> and you he's like, I got twelve dollars and I was able to start a GoFundMe account for you and yes, reached out to a lot of your Marines that you served with, some of the guys you served with th- with us, and we were able to raise a lot of money for you to help you get started. And that, that helped me a lot. Well, you have a lot of people that care about you and a lot of people that, you know, was – it quickly you raised money because all of these guys knew how much of a help you were to us. And we wanted you – we were so excited for you to be in America and for you to be safe and – we we wanted to show you our hospitality and welcome you to that, our country. Uh, uh, that was the best hospitality I ever got. Cause uh, as soon as I I I got down here, I think I have like seventeen, fifteen. I don't remember <laughs> how many dollars, but that was not hundred dollars. Right, less than hundred dollars in my pocket, and I was so happy. I was sitting. In a, in, a, in a library around and there was a free Wi-Fi and connected and uh, on that day talking with you and you told me like don't worry I'm going to figure it out I'm going to help you out and you helped me out you raised money and I got a lot of money and helped me out like to 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 stand up in my own feet and now I'm so proud of myself and I, I always appreciate from you, sir, because because of you guys, I have the best life ever. I have uh, my own car uh, paid off. I have my family. I have my good incomes. I pay my my taxes. I pay <laughs> insurances. I live like a king. Yeah. And uh, soon I'm gonna open my own business, which is I'm hopeful for that. That. Uh, uh, the, the only the only target right now I have is to open my own business is important for me. Yeah, and, and one thing we want to, you know, I want you to tell these listeners what you do. Like, you know, you've, you've got over here, you've done well for yourself, you, you know, you have your own place, you have your own vehicle, you're going to start your own business, but the income you make, you, what do you do with a certain percentage of that? So, um, right now, um, I used to work in a different uh, places. Uh, I experienced in different different um, 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 companies. Uh, I start working as a, the lowest. I got the lowest uh, rate of money, like seven fifty seven dollar fifty cent an hour. 
I, I started over here for the first time working with a, in a warehouse and then started working as a security. And uh, finally, now I, I'm working as a truck driver. I'm a truck driver. And in these days, truck driver make more money than, than lots of people. So I make a decent of money from uh, being a truck driver. And uh, I have my saving and also um, uh, a, a, a little amount of that percentage from my salary goes and help uh, my family back in Afghanistan, and also some of them goes to poor people, those people that uh, desperately need help, like like medicine, food, and because uh, because I think I have some responsibility to to do. But I'm here. Uh, I I I make that money to go down there in Afghanistan and help poor people. That's my target. That is that. That's that's what's awesome, and um, you know the obligation you feel to continue. You know, from the moment you decided, you know, to be an interpreter and a cultural advisor and work with NATO forces, coalition forces, to help, you know, your country and, and the the Taliban and what they were doing. Like you have never stopped helping your people in your country, and. Uh, it's it's amazing to see like your work ethic and your gratefulness and um, just your your humanity is um, I think it's a lot to be said about you and your character and I think a lot of people can learn from that from you and Thank you know, you, sir. yeah and that's that's why I'm so I feel very blessed to have you on here to talk to you Thank and, you sir and um, uh, the thing is that sir as a as a probably my as a first like final speech today uh something that that's my own perspective so we we come in this world uh to live this life and we are here not just to live our life but we are here for a mission so like my mission my uh, uh, opinion to do something good for this uh, planet to help people to to I mean to to do something good that the rest whenever you die people will uh, take your name or say your name in a good point like hey that guy was a positive person so that's why I'm here. Finally, we're gonna die. We're gonna go for up dimension of the life. I could call it maybe non-physical life. But until we go to non-physical life, I think we have a mission to serve this planet, no matter what, to do right things. Absolutely, Rock. And you know, I want to thank you for coming on here. Um, I want to thank Wes for getting us in touch with you. And, you know, I want to stay in contact with you. I want to, you know, whatever you Thank need, you. you know, I want to help, you know, with, you know, the, the, the visas anyway, I don't I mean, write a letter to, to Congress, whatever we got to do, you know, we're here for you. And, um, again, we thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it for the book. 
for this program. Uh, I'm so uh, glad that uh, at least there is some people can uh, can 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 tell my history to rest of the Americans, and that's that's something like uh, makes me amazed, and I and I I want people to know me better that. Uh, Afghanistan is a different place, and uh, Afghanistan people are a different people, not the way they they think. And I'm sure that I'm gonna change that perspective, also. Absolutely, you're doing that every day, and you know, Rock. I appreciate you for coming on and taking the time as well. And as always, you, you know, I t- I talk to you on the phone and stuff, but it's always an honor to talk to you and. You know, you know I love you, and I think I'm of you as a brother. For, so I'm looking forward to see you, sir, again. Absolutely, never get a chance, sir. Absolutely, we're 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 gonna get together. So uh, definitely, thank you, thank, thank you. you, appreciate it. Bye bye. Bye bye. Man, um, what an awesome episode! Like, it doesn't get any better than that. To yeah. it, I mean, it, a story for. Somebody to come from, you know, uh, from, you know, history-wise, a war-torn country and where his dad will pull him out of school because of what the Taliban are trying to indoctrinate these kids in these schools, you know, for him to learn English and to help. And in the moment he is of age to, to go serve and try and make his country better, without hesitation, he makes that, that commitment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's... It, it blows my mind, you know, that, you know, they're like he said, that country is so beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, you get, our, I, th- I think in America, the, the mainstream media and, you know, TV and movies, they paint this picture. All they do is show this negative side of Afghanistan yeah. or negative side of the Middle East. But yeah. there's so many good people there, so many people that were thankful that we were there. And that did their part to help liberate that evil, you know, those zombies that he called them, you mm-hmm. know, and um, and that he doesn't he's still not stop. He got over here. He's safe and he does not stop to help get um, his brothers and sisters over here that help try and do the same thing he did. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and he's constantly keeping up with things going there. You know, I know that he worries a lot about his country and rightfully so. I mean, he's he's got family there still he's got brothers still there that he served with and it's something he's passionate about i you know i think across cultures that's one thing that you know we can say is the same as is one of the ways to happiness is serving others and you know and and that's what he's done the majority of his life is, is serving others and continuing to do so absolutely um you know, I want to thank everybody for listening and, you know, share share this episode, get this episode out there. You know, it's it's something that we want to get his story out there. It, you know, he's a selfless human being that's constantly spent his life as a servant to other people, you know, giving up his time, giving up, possibly risking, you know, giving up his life. Absolutely. And and now serving, his, you know, to get his his brothers and sisters who served and. You know, even the, the, you know, Afghanistan, you know, people that are subcontractors and working with companies over there and, you know, serving 
you know, America and, and things like that over there, helping get them over here too, you know, and, um, you know, please listen to this and, and help share this and get the, the word out there. You know, his story rock, you know, is, uh, I mean, he's an inspiration to me and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very honored and humbled to talk to him because as Americans, like, you know, we may think, man, it, man, it's a rough day. You know, I only got paid X amount of dollars this week. You know, that they, it, <laughs> like, it's it's a completely different world over there. And it, his perspective and how grateful he is and essentially is living the American dream. And, and in my opinion, he's an American. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm very fortunate and blessed to have him on. And I thank you, Wes, for, for getting a hold of him and, you know, getting him on our podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, his story needs to be heard. And, you know, I – aspire to be more like him just in my own everyday work ethic and just whatever I'm passionate about you know I think you can learn a lot just from not his story but his work ethic as well and yeah it was such an honor it's always an honor to talk to him it's always an honor I learn something new about him every time I talk to him and just his story and so please you know get this story out there Um, if anybody can help in any sort of way um, please reach out. Yeah, and as always, you know, if you're going through something and, uh, you know, you need somebody to talk to, we're always there. Reach out to us. Um, if we can't, don't have the answer, we're definitely going to do everything we can to find somebody who does. And, uh, again, thank you guys for listening. God bless.